Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're measuring flicks So when he asks her, what could, like, what could you possibly see at a film? And she goes, like, I don't see anything at a film, you fucking idiot. You fucking idiot. idiot. <laughs> she, she, caught, she, she swears at him so frequently, it's delightful. She's so rude to him. But um, she talks about something that I think is very close to Jim Jarmusch's heart. Um, as a director, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's this type of stuff he revisits again and again. And it goes back to that sort of like dilettantism or, or the, the way that we experience art. She says... I sometimes I feel the movie like I can hear it and then she stops explaining it to him she's like I can hear it and oh never mind but there it's it's the way that it's the different ways you can appreciate something yeah. like going to like there are films there there's a famous story you seem to be a pretty big Kevin Smith fan so I'm yeah, sure you've yeah, heard it absolutely. too when he was a young boy he recorded he tape recorded Jaws. He watched. He was watching Jaws on TV, and he recorded the thing on an audio cassette tape. So he would walk around listening, listening to, to Jaws, Jaws, the movie Jaws, which is That's just so amazing, right? Like he experienced that movie in a way that I would argue probably no one else has, or like a handful of it's weird the John f- Williams score and the dialogue. Right, and then you hear like some incidental like scuffling on the right. boards and stuff. But can you imagine? Imagine for a second only listening to a film. There are certain films. It terrifies me, actually. Jaws is something you could do that to. I think there are certain films where. Well, yeah, because you don't see, you don't see the shark really until the end, anyway. So that's not a visual. But even beyond that, though. Well, and also, I mean, if you, are you a fan of radio plays at all? Oh yes. Well, there you go. A radio. You could shoot a radio play. Are you gaining anything by putting it on film? No, nothing. Not, not at You're all. You're just wasting time and money and resources. Exactly. I think there are certain there are certain things that can be experienced on more than one level, and I think it's an important distinction that she says, "I feel, I the, feel film. the film." That. I know I've I've watched one opera. I've watched La Traviata. I haven't had time to watch anything else because they tend to be kind of long. They're a little lengthy. But in a weird way, which is why I reacted so strongly to it, I have I would say I would say I think I'm safe in saying that I have felt films. I've experienced films in a, a way where you I've watched them alone and you sit in a silence afterwards because like you've been you've just been touched in a way that almost nothing can touch you right like yep. you've had what it, it sounds you've had dumb. experience i would say religious experience yeah it's, i mean i was i was I going know. to say it then i'm like duh don't say that but no on some it level is. absolutely i was shying away away from it a little bit too i i just recently read a book um the book is called the book thief i read that and I, I the, it took me about an hour to read the last chapter and I cried for an hour and I didn't stop reading. I couldn't stop reading. Right. And there are a, there, not everything, you know, like there's t- you can spin records all day and probably I won't shed a single tear. Yeah. But every once in a while, like when you hear Adagio for Strings by Barber for the first time, you something moves you. You. Yeah. I remember I, I remember the first time I heard Adagio for Strings, Bird was cooking dinner and I was like, I hope she doesn't say anything to me because I 
I, like it's like you're ta- you suddenly you turn a corner and you're talking to God is what it seems mm-hmm. like that I know that sounds extreme but for people who appreciate art deeply yeah people they they'll, they'll know what we're talking about that. and I think that that's what she's talking about she's like yeah I go and see but it's the same way that Americans go and see movies now you go and sit down in the theater and most of the time you just stare at the screen and you eat your popcorn and then you, go, you ah that's loud Right, and then you're like, like, look, oh, crashy, crashy robots, and then you walk out. I do have an appreciation for crashy, crashy robots, too, though. Everybody does, but but you know what I mean? But those will never change you forever. You're never going to walk away from a Transformers movie going, (laughs) oh my God, (laughs) I think that I need to read more books. Yeah. or Or listen to more music, or learn about this thing, or just feel what this movie, what he as a director accomplishes, this movie in in some sense, Only Lovers Left Alive, much more so. When you watch that movie... I cannot wait. Everything you just said, like you're probably going to just be like, I can't do this podcast anymore. And oh, I'm my I'm life. A little, there's a couple of movies that I'm worried about, <laughs> like what they're going to do to me. This is one of them. I'm it's telling Only you. Lovers Left Alive because I've read a little bit about that it. I'm like, my I'm life. a little scared to watch that movie. That's why I picked Jarmish as this. I picked two directors for this month. That's why yeah. I picked him is that movie. Literally, there are a few Pulp Fiction. The first time I saw The Godfather, Only Lovers Left Alive. That might be it. I'd have to think about it. But mm-hmm. like. I'm not saying like all movies change my life. Some of them really genuinely change who you are as a person. Yeah. So like this, this film in a weird way makes you want to look longer at art or look not harder, not strain, but to be more open to it. That's what I, you know what this movie did for me is it made me want to, well, one, watch more Jim Jarmusch movies, <laughs> yeah, right. but also seek out more filmmakers that I m- have missed. Right. You know, like I've like, like Kurosawa. It's been a long time since I've watched Yojimbo or or Hidden Fortress or any of it. Like I need to go and rewatch those movies again. It makes me want to seek out. I want to go and buy Tom Waits records and Neil Young records and the talking heads. I want to like fucking like do deep long dives and with music and they also want to read more it's watching this movie has like lit a fire under my ass to like seek out more of the same yes in a way like just to seek it out and to feel because what this movie did to me it's like like i said it's like like okay overall but the fact that this movie exists and how it's written and how it was composed and the way it left me feeling and the fact that I watched it twice in two days, uh-huh. that doesn't always happen. In fact, right. very rarely so, unless I'm watching the commentary. But if that isn't a, if that doesn't speak to the, to, to the quality, not even necessarily the quality of this movie, but just to the, to the, to the overall experience that you get watching something like this that makes you want to seek out more of the same outside of its quality am i cracking no not at all okay you're doing good um i'm just adjusting volumes because now i'm noticing that you are slightly louder um than i thought you were because these earphones are really oh perfect (laughs) um outside of the quality of the film is the efficacy or the power of the film Mm -hmm. i would argue that this is not necessarily jim jarmusch's best film but it's i would say it's one of the most powerful sure in that i remember i remember the first time i saw a movie like this 
and became aware that this sort of thing existed. Exist. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, shit. It's like Th- this kind of thing is out there. I want to see all of this kind of thing that I can. It's like a. Uh, it's like you just just discovered there's a whole new thing that you didn't know you loved. Yeah. And now that world is open. It's all there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like I didn't know fishing was so amazing, but there's this whole world of like fly fishing and real fishing and boat fishing and different kinds of fish and different. I remember <gasps> for me there was two big ones, and one is like painting is boring, painting is dumb. I don't like classic art. Who's this Francis Bacon. The first time I saw a Francis Bacon painting, I was like, oh, I've just been looking at the bullshit they show everybody. That doesn't mean that's how all painters right. paint. Go and look at a Francis Bacon painting right now. You will immediately either never want to look at a painting again or dive down the deep Just go end. down the deepest. Oh my God, yeah. yeah. The first time you see an Andy Warhol, that's not his Campbell soup cans. Right. And you're like, oh, or yeah, don't like his like pop art prints. Look at early Warhol and you're like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Where is this? Why don't they teach you this? It's because everyone, everyone puts, and that's how you get stuff like Hollywood. Yeah. Everyone puts validity on a certain type of movie and says, this is a good film. And then everyone tries to make a copy of that. And then you get copies of copies until you have watered down shit. Yep. Then you get stuff like Jim Jarmusch. Who's like, no, fuck all that. I'm going to make exactly what I want to make. And they're like, well, let's give you some money. And no, no. That's How about okay. I just get my own money and then I do exactly what I want to do. And you get real art and it blows your mind. Yep. It's like the first time I heard, um, I really liked Nirvana growing up. Mm-hmm. And then you hear, never mind. And you're like, this is great. This is great. And this- then someone hands you in utero or hands you like the box set with all their early demos. And you're like, what in the fuck is this? This stuff exists. Yeah. It's so much rougher and so much more raw, but it's so much more real. Yeah. There's there's like pain. It wasn't compressed in the studio. Somewhere. And it was and it was perfect in high school too, because Nevermind is all anthems. And it's great. It's a great album. But someone hands you the I the first time I got the box set for Christmas and I'm listening to it's Kurt it's just Kurt and crew recording on a like uh like a boom box. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh my God, there are oceans of like pain and angst which is awesome in high school that are completely unexplored in that anthemic album that i've been like playing in my car there's a whole other deeper thing and that's what this movie is it's weird that we do these digressions but they're all completely relevant i I I fucking love it i'm all right with it um so yeah this this is a thing that he comes comes back to again and again is not like not like you have to go and experience certain types of art. It's just sort of like, and he's not even like telling you like, this is how you should experience art. No, it's just, no, he isn't like watch this movie or not. He doesn't really give a shit. I don't think uh-uh. he, he makes his Jim Jarmusch makes his movies for him. He makes them for himself. Right. And uh, I mean, for an audience, for, but... for an audience, but it's for the audience is going to watch them. Right. It's like a, he's not seeking an audience. The audience is there. And I don't think he's really tailoring it for anyone he's like this is what i wanted to make take it or leave it people that are going to like it are going to like it or even take the parts of it that you like that's one thing that i really like about um revisiting classical music my dad always liked it and for me it was always i called it migraine music because that's what he'd put on when he had a migraine (laughs) but i have all of his old cds I have all of his old paperbacks. Like when my dad moved, he was like, I'm getting rid of all this. I'm like, no, this let me have, yeah, give me everything. So when you revisit classical music, you realize really quickly that yes, Beethoven is a genius, but in that 40 minute song of his, 
it's not 40 minutes of genius. There's a lot of, not filler, but there's not a filler, lot of, there are moments. Refrains and rephrases, and but then there's, a, yeah, those. Yeah, there's, there's 30 second bits. There's two minute bits. When you listen to Holst, there's, there's build up, build up, build up, build up. But the build up is not genius. What's right. genius is when that build up breaks and then you're like, holy fuck, Holst is amazing. No wonder John Williams ripped him off yeah, so no bad. Shit. <laughs> but it's, you realize, like with this movie feels like jazz in a way. Yeah. It's like when I've, I've, Yeah, I read that as a, as a, as a comparison, which I get it. Um, what, what do you mean? This movie is is more like jazz than than anything else because there's oh. different themes and some of it's genius, some of it isn't. Because there are different riffs. So in jazz, a lot of the the musicians will take different solo breaks. Right mm. now, this is the sax man playing. Now this is the piano guy playing. Right. Now this is the drummer playing. There's now even a fun jazz joke in this movie. Well, there sure is. Yeah. There sure is. So the, I don't. I, th- I feel. Oh my like, god! What a great segue. No, go ahead. You no, know, I feel. <laughs> I feel like this movie isn't so much jazz as in jazz. The the like listening to Charlie Parker necessarily. This is more how a, a group gets together and plays jazz and follow each other. Right. And sometimes they'll repeat or have moments that they, that they share or riff off of, but each player has their own moment to shine. Yeah. Then the drummer might not be your favorite bit in that, but the sax guy might completely be on point that night and blows your fucking face off. Mm-hmm. The trumpet guy is a little off that night; his jaw hurts, and it's like not quite there. That's what this movie is, as far as jazz is concerned. For me, as far as jazz is concerned, yeah. here's how this movie works for me, which is less Charlie Parker, not Mingus, more Dave, Miles Davis. Okay. Later years, bitches brewing on. Okay. This is everyone's up there doing their thing and they are all 100% on point. The drummer is excellent. The saxophonist is excellent. The trumpet player fucking spot on, but you're there for the trumpet player. So the moments that shine to you where you're like, you're like, fuck, that's amazing. That's the trumpet player. But my brother's a, my brother's a drummer and really loves jazz drummers. So uh, to carry the metaphor Sam, right. me and Sam sit down and watch Night on Earth and I'm like oh my god the blind girl in the Paris segment he's like yeah that was okay but dude that Italian dra- for him he sees the drums and he's like that's fucking amazing yeah. and what I love about this movie is that it doesn't demand that you like it all and there's not this is the moment that all people will like no. it's just this is everything there is it's not universal yeah it's literally it's like here is the movie grab what you want there will be moments that shine for everyone. Like everyone's going to get something out of this. Yeah. But like, for example, I think you are, you're hitting the, like we're, as we're talking, there's stuff that's like hitting you where you're like, Oh my God, that was so great. And then I'm like, Oh yeah, that was, that was pretty good. And then I'll <laughs> gush about stuff that I like. And you're like, nah, yeah. that's where I cashed out. But right after that. So I, th- we watched the same movie, Yeah, but like you like the sax and there, I dig the trumpet. But because basically. there wasn't a formula being followed, like we have to make sure everyone laughs on this beat. Right. We have to make sure everyone falls in love with this person on this beat. I hate to say this, Marvel movies. Yeah. When Captain America is, I don't know if it's Civil War, uh, but when Captain America's holding the helicopter onto the helipad and he's yeah. struggling. Everyone in the theater is like, look at that. Everyone is there for that. Yeah. And then we all sit back as exposition happens. Right. This is free form filmmaking. I this is love that. me too, man. Holy Mar- shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> Marvel, Marvel movies. They'll, they'll take you to their, 
their climactic moments yep. where everyone, oh my God, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. End of Guardians of the Galaxy where everyone ga- joins hands so that they can oh, the defeat whole thing the big is, bad. Yeah, yeah. That's everyone's climactic moment. Mm-hmm. Point to the climax in Night on Earth. There isn't one. There is not. This is so fuck. This is why I fucking love this movie mm-hmm. and movies like this. Because look That's at what so it does great. to your brain, right? Yeah, I love it. All right. So let's extend the jazz metaphor and go to Rome, All shall right, we? So Rome. Tannish. My, my second favorite. Tan. The color is tan. I couldn't think of what the... It's like beige, but it's not. It's taupe, maybe? Taupe, but you know what's weird is it's perfect. It's, all, as I said before, all the colors... on This is the color of the wall on the clock, which is basically yeah. the title card. It reminds me of, like, the Colosseum and of the... Of the, of yeah, the, the stones. Yeah, it reminds yeah. you of Rome. It's so perfect, but go ahead. So I love that this starts off with two people fucking on a Vesper. A Vespa. <laughs> and that's essentially what this whole segment is about is just roberto benini like confessing to a quote-unquote cardinal <laughs> who is a bishop a, a bishop right he thinks it's a bishop, he thinks it's a bishop. <laughs> and the guy tells him repeatedly it's not a bishop oh, i just have to read a couple of my notes because like first of all i feel like the priest is paolo bonacelli yeah. by the way uh so it's like roberto benini has a blind girl sunglasses i thought that was kind of funny <laughs> Like, oh, there they are. There's there, the blind person. There's sunglasses. a blind person's sunglasses. They're on Roberto Benini. And these sections, by the way, we should touch before you. These yeah. are not utterly in a vacuum. These are not utterly blocked off from each other. They flow oh, no, together. They flow right together. Yeah. Cat, like uh, not looking at racism, going straight to racism. Blind girl sunglasses to, and then talking about making love at the end of the Parisian mm-hmm. segment, the the They're sex talk, about a, to a overtly that, yeah. talking about sex in the Italian section and then from the uh, the sex talk to the death of a priest next section goes into the death of a child yeah it's these sections are not they're, just they, they all are they flow together yeah these are not naturally. five short films this is one film that are is five distinct sections but sorry go ahead dive That's in all right um so when we follow him around for a while just him in the cab a long time just talking to himself <laughs> A lot. It's awesome. Very quickly. And and my first thought was like, because I haven't seen this movie, I was like, Life is Beautiful is amazing. Um, and so I'm always very much aware of, of of Benini, like his whole, like, he's just a crazy person. Yeah. And so I was reminded again, I'm like, oh my God, he's my fucking spirit animal. I love him so much. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just his- want to carry him around in my pocket and just like, but until we find out that, that he fucked pumpkins and lambs and his brother's wife but before we get there uh-huh. he that's just him i could th- the whole segment could have just been him getting lost turning around almost hitting a wall like trying to figure out where he is talking to his dispatcher this wall wasn't here yesterday this wall wasn't here yesterday like the whole i could have just been fine with that and then he picks up the priest yeah and it's like oh fuck no <laughs> We're we're on a whole other journey oh my <laughs> with God. these. This two. section's really long, which I was surprised I by. I think it's one of the longest ones in the. I think it is yeah. too. It's well, it's, you have him talking to himself for the first eight minutes of it. it did you time it out? No, I should have. I just. It's long though. He's yeah. in that. I would say ten maybe. He's in that car by himself, just driving around for a long time. And I started. It's long enough that you start to wonder if that's the segment. No, no customers, because he even says at one point, "Rome, the deserted the city." The deserted city. And yes. I'm like, oh, there's no one here. We see the lovers twice. They're, I think they're supposed to be different lovers, but it's but the I same think it's two the same actors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, but really, I don't have a whole lot to say about because this is the least that I wrote about this section. About this section, because it is kind of re- just ridiculous. Like essentially, his sins kill the priest. The priest has been having issues anyways. He's like has I th- heart problems or whatever. Yeah, I think what kills the priest is that he doesn't get the, the his heart oh, his pill heart under pill his because, tongue because he's driving like he's an driving asshole. like an asshole. Yeah, he uh, he drives super super insane right off the bat. But what I love the first note that I had for this was um, about the lovers on the uh, on the Vesper, and I was like. I wrote down, she has a great ass. And then I wrote down, am I allowed to say that she has a great ass? And then I wrote down, she has a great ass. <laughs> it's, uh, it's weird. The Italian, the, I think he captures the, not just the flavor, but like the soul mm-hmm. of each city so well. LA has that, that section. It's those two people in a car and you don't get a sense of the city, but that's right for LA because it's such, it's so sprawled out and everyone is in their own personal yeah. tube brat race. New York, everyone's got those walls up. We talked about that. Yep. The, the whole Paris thing, people are like, I, I was in France for a really long, I was in, I spent uh, like a month and a half in France, uh, four years ago. And based on my experience that was french people like sh- very curt and short yes. they're not being you're gonna say shitty <laughs> i was gonna say shitty yeah and i you know what that's what i mean so kind of right. shitty yeah but they don't mean anything by it that's just it's just right it's just that their culture is like everyone is very curt and blunt with each other but they're also very like weirdly warm, warm once yeah. they once they know you or if they want something from you but like yeah and then italy we get it's insane like how the the sustained force of his performance once he starts confessing his sins oh my god that's master that's yeah. masterful not not necessarily all the little beats which i love like the ba when he's doing like <laughs> the, the, when he's doing the lamb yeah, it's like she comes up to me, and it's not like those other like gross sheep. The it's more bah! It's like him oscillating between that and like the the physicality of fucking oh, his actually fucking his the, wife's yeah. or his his brother's. What wife. I love it's like it's like the not just him explaining like the fact that he fucked a pumpkin and then he fucked a lamb. It's like it's like and now I I can't. It's, so my dad found out that I was having sex with a lamb, so he sold the lamb to a butcher, not even a nice butcher, like the asshole butcher down the road. Right and now I can't I can't eat meat. I haven't eat meat, eat meat since, and actually like, I don't eat vegetables either because because of the pumpkins. Of the pumpkins. <laughs> so he goes, I really don't eat much of I anything. Don't much eat much of anything. <laughs> but I love when he talks about how he doesn't eat meat. He's like, I don't eat meat. So when people are like, Oh, do you want some nice lamb? I'm like, No, thank you. He like he <laughs> does like unnecessarily dialogue and yeah. unnecessary dialogue. And you get the sense that that Jarmish is like st- the first draft. I would be willing to bet the first draft was twice as long. As oh, that. probably yeah. Because I think he went stream of consciousness, and then he whittled and honed and sharpened because it is it's perfect stream of consciousness. It's it seems natural, and yet it's stunningly poetic. It feels like someone that's been holding this in for 35 years and finally decided tonight's the night this is the priest that's going to hear about this. Yes. And finally saying all the stuff that you've wanted to... He is the Athenor, and this story has been 
under that constant pressure and heat within him for his entire his life. His entire life. And today, it's the heat. He's he's unsteady how like crazy he is. And you get the sense that he's been made this way by this thing that he's been carrying. Yeah. So tonight is the night that that heat cracks the Athenor and out comes, and then out this, comes this, this story. It pours this, yes. out. Oh my God. And it just goes and goes and, and goes. And it keeps going. It's amazing. Um, I love that one of the first thing, the first thing we hear is English. He's singing the streets oh, of Laredo, yeah. which I only know as a Johnny Cash song, but apparently it's much older than that. Someone else oh, wrote the lyrics. I saw a name in the credits, but I didn't give it enough of a shit to right. write it down. But yeah, he sings the, the first couple lyrics of the streets of Laredo, which I think is interesting because he's in Italy, but we do get that. There is some sense of like wild west to this. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that's a nod to spaghetti westerns. Oh my, that's a bit of a stretch, but not, I mean. Italy, Rome, Jarmusch yeah. is a film nerd. I don't know. Oh. Like the first thing we hear him sing is a, is a, is a, is a, oh, a song about a cowboy. Oh, a cowboy yeah. I know by your outfit that you were a cowboy is the lyric. <laughs> I mean, it very I'm, well. Maybe. I so mean, I'm wondering, yeah. man, because <laughs> certainly has nothing to do with what we're going to see Not in the segment at all. at all. Like completely, other than out of left field. Yeah. So I, I wasn't sure about that, but I would, I would like to think that that was a nod to the oh. the spaghetti westerns. Um, oh, sorry, it's because of my the way my notes are. A go. So as I said, so the way I wrote my notes, I think he's my spirit animal. Yep, he's definitely my spirit animal. Wait, he fucked pumpkins. Wait, he <laughs> fucked a lamb. Nope, never mind. Not my spirit animal. <laughs> um, yeah, when he starts, he starts confessing his sins to the priest, and it. I love when he's he's taught. You think he's going to to confess that he had homosexual experience when right. he was young. It's. I I want to point to it again because the writing is so. So it works so hard to appear casual that when you look closely at it and realize how finely tuned it is, it it like breaks your brain. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh my god, everything beats pacing. Every line is strictly. A lot of people thought that he improved most of that because he's been known to do that, Roberto Benigni. Mm-hmm. But you're saying that, that that was all word for word what Jarmusch wrote. Um, I I read read. I didn't read this segment. I read. Oh, okay. I didn't have time. I, oh, no, I watched. Enough, I watched yeah. the movie this morning, and then I I read the f- up through Paris. Right, so cool. at that point, I was just I didn't read Beyond, but I'm oh, assuming yeah. because one of the uh, I read some criticism of not this film, but of Benigni, mm-hmm. and a lot of people critique early. Uh, people really seem to enjoy early Benigni before he had broken through and made it, because uh, they're like his performance. There's like a weird honesty. There's a truth. There's a like passion, and then eventually he becomes famous as Benigni, and like and you that were becomes the so he becomes he starts self paradising gotcha. where he plays Benigni like how Al Pacino after yeah. Scent of a Woman, of the woman now starts is Pacino, now yeah. he starts being oh I'm Pacino oh yeah oh mm. you know mm-hmm. it, he turns into he turns into a parody of himself. he stops being like Al Pacino and starts being Pacino you know right. you know what no, I mean I totally understand, so yeah. and I, I think that like earlier we were uh, I had mentioned that I think in a weird way. Jarmish gets stuff out of actors that other people, other people don't, yeah, and I'm wondering. Don't. And we, like we talked about with Nicolas Cage, you need that you need that perfect balance of letting enough 
slack out. Like I'm sure he improved some of this, but I'll bet you from time to time, Jarmusch Jarmusch reeled is like, no, I need you to. Yeah. Yeah. Like I wrote this really in a super structured way for a reason. Right. So yeah, like go off on your tangent, but I need you to, I need you to say my words too or whatever. Or whatever. Right. Yeah. So I don't know, but the, the rapid fire delivery is what makes it so effective because he starts with, you know, when you're young and you're, you've got these urges, this urge, you've got to get it out of your body and there's no girls around just boys. And you're like, okay, here it comes. comes, He's going to confess that he's in Italy. There's we're in Rome and he, uh, I don't know how recently you've seen coffee and cigarettes, but he, there are jokes like this in coffee and cigarettes where you get, you get a setup to a really obvious punchline and then you subvert the (laughs) punchline. There's a bit where, uh, there's a section that's Iggy pop and Tom Waits meeting for coffee in a diner and Tom Waits is late and he's like, I've been performing surgeries all day. There's a four car pile up and body parts all over the road. And like, <laughs> he's like, you're a doctor. Yeah, I'm a doctor. <laughs> like that's, that's how it opens. And you're like, what the what? fuck am I watching? But, and then he goes, so we would, you know, uh, we just, uh, the, me and the other boys, we'd, uh, carve holes in pumpkins, pumpkins, make love to pumpkins. And these are like, Pumpkins. pumpkins huh Interesting. and you're like okay there it is we are done now and then he's like but i wanted something that i could look in its eyes and you're like oh maybe he raped a girl or maybe yeah. he and then he's like so uh, there was this lamb and you're like <laughs> what lamb lamb wow mm-hmm. the best part of this is when he finally gets to a human being his and brother's wife his... yeah you're like you're like, okay, the human's gonna strike me as normal. It's somehow the weirdest, the one, weirdest one because her ass reminds him of a pumpkin and her panties remind him of the wool of the lamb. So, and he refers to their sex constantly as fucking like animals, fucking like yes. beasts. And you're like, oh my oh God, my why God. is He's this worse? In, yeah. Why is this worse than the pumpkin having sex with your brother's wife? He talks about, he's like, starts going into like really, really detail, like gruesome detail to this priest in the back. Yes. He's like, there was hours and she screamed, oh, and then the priest goes, oh, because he's having he's a heart, heart attack. attack. <laughs> um, one of, one of Jarmusch's favorite films is The Cameraman by Buster Keaton. Okay. And Keaton is a huge influence on Jarmish. And watching this movie, there is a, you get the sense that if you moved, if you bumped Buster Keaton to today, this would be what he would make. Like, think about the the, the priest and the car yes. going around the statue, oh, the, yeah, backing, yeah. backing up, going forward. This is like, I want, I always want to. Cla- this is a classic. I'm always bit. tempted to say Charlie Chaplin esque but it really is because Chaplin was like that physical body comedy but Keaton would be for, in my mind is more like uh the you ever seen the general the, oh, yes. the Keaton movie with mm-hmm. the train this reminds me of that because Keaton interacted with the, the environment wo- the yeah. whole world around him Charlie Chaplin was so effective because he was the the broad like slapstick physical comedy was centered on him because he was such a he had such masterful control of his body and his motions and he would directly interact with his environment but in a Keaton film Keaton in, interacts with like the whole world right. like in have you ever seen the cameraman with Keaton I have not seen the cameraman I think it's available to stream for free online it's Ooh, re- it's really really funny but he the way that he can break a window with his camera over his back and then turn and knock a vase over with the other side of it as he turns and then hit someone in the face with the front of it at the same time. Like he genius. Yeah. So for me, like the comedy in this where he's like, Oh, this wall wasn't here. And like, it's very, it's very, it's very Keatony. And that 
in that sort of not broad comedy, but that funny slapstick Laurel and Hardy esque, yes. where like, and she screamed, oh, oh, and then I screamed, oh, oh, you know, like that shit right there. I think that that those influencers are showing. Oh, they're 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 there and yet while being there it is you a uniquely jim jarmusch moment yeah. <laughs> it's so fucking great i absolutely lo- and it would be easy to be like oh yeah that's the section where the guy talks about fucking a pumpkin a lamb right. and then his brother's wife but it's it somehow transcends the simple slapstick it i mean dude we get weekend at bernie's at the end of this I know that's, uh, yeah i was gonna say is like, <laughs> and it's weekend at bernie's at the end like holy shit there's One of my funny things that last weekend of Bernie's to give him his credit. It's it that is more ch- Chaplin-y to me, where he's right. I, I can't get the body. I'm gonna pull he's the bench, him. but the bench yeah. is to staple down, and I'm yeah, gonna get that the body. Was all Chaplin. I mean, and we get we get broad moments of like d- not d- not dumb and as in bad, but like dumb comedy. Like close the eyes, bang, the eyes open, open all... with a sound effect. Yes, and it's not a big sound effect. It's like bang. Yes, it's a bang. Bang. And his eyes pop back open and he closes them and then he takes his shades off and puts them on slightly askew. I mean, come on. And yet the last shot we see suddenly we've been laughing this whole fucking time. Even when he dies, we're like, this is funny (laughs) because he thinks that he killed him with his sins. He's like, I'm going to burn in hell. It's because he's not. It's that melodramatic Italian Italian thing. Yeah. I, I read in one of the essays in there that someone thinks that his that Jarmusch's portrayal, or not Jarmusch's portrayal, but uh, Benini's portrayal of this character was a commentary on the the dumbing down of the Italian male male Italian society because oh. of machismo, oh, like okay. that sort of like. Be- being Italian has meant a specific thing in popular culture so that the younger generations are aping it and then people are aping them aping it and ramping it up and ramping it up until everyone is like this dumb fast talking like and then I fucked my brother's wife and it was like bang a bang a bang a bang oh no the priest is dead I burn in hell like right. that it's that's his, become the thing instead of that his yeah like his caricature is a commentary on how some segments of, of italian masculinity over there are becoming caric almost caricatures of, of italians um i'm not sure if there's any validity that's just a and just a, a note in yeah the it's, it was yeah it was criticism that i had read about this piece that i thought was kind of interesting um the hotel genius bit it seems like a throwaway monologue until but you... But this is also another thing that actually happened to Jim Jarmusch, right? They would drive past this Hotel Genius and talk about what geniuses they thought would be there. <laughs> but what I like... what I, I, I didn't know that this had actually happened to Jim Jarmusch. What I took away from that was... I like the geniuses that he lists. So he lists Charlie Parker. He lists Albert Einstein. He lists... Uh, he's got Einstein... Beethoven, mm-hmm. Isaac Newton, yep. and Charlie Parker. So he that right there is dilettantism at its finest. You have the guy, you have an early, early like physicist basically who discovers gravity. You have the guy who comes up with the theory of relative theory of relativity. Yeah. You have a classical composer and you have a jazz musician. They all come from different walks of life. They all contributed to different scientific fields, but he lumps them all oh, in, in as one. geniuses. Yeah. But there's a second part to the joke that people I think is easy to gloss over, but he makes a joke where he says, 
he says something akin to like Charlie Parker. Oh, hello, Mr. Charlie Parker. Have you met blah, blah, blah. Oh, say something to him, Charlie. And Charlie goes, and he plays saxophone. It, I think it's a crit in a way, not a critique, but an observation about the nature of genius, which is in order to be a genius, you become so specialized that you cannot communicate outside your outside field. Outside your field. Charlie Parker doesn't know what to say to Isaac Newton, so he just plays him some saxophone. Like Isaac Newton would probably write some equations or talk about an, app- talk about, yeah. an apple falling out of a tree or those hidden codes in the Bible because right. <laughs> Isaac Newton got a little crazy near the end of his life. But I think that that's really interesting that to be genius is to be outside, to be other. You are not, you cannot communicate effectively outside of what you know because in order to truly master not just master to be your complete focus right there's a there's to go back to collateral and awesome michael mann film that everyone should watch yes there's a great line in there there's a great bit where um uh tom cruise jamie fox and that club owner are sitting together and the club owner is telling him a story about miles davis and he says one time Miles was sitting at this chair and this, uh, this white guy from, you know, he, uh, one of my regulars came up with his girlfriend and said, Oh, Miles, you was great. Could I get an autograph? And Miles looked up at him and he said, you get the fuck away from me, honking. You take your silly bitch with you. But that was Miles, man. He was always on. He was always that, like, that's the story that he tells, which is that. Miles Davis wasn't even a person. Miles Davis was a jazz musician. Right. That's a different thing. When you hit that level of virtuosity and genius, you're not you're not really part of mankind anymore. You're you a transcended diff- that whole thing. Exactly. And then there's a third part to the joke. Whether if it's full. If it's full, if there's no room at genius, I'll take imbecile, which I read as there is very there's a razor thin difference between the two. Yep. You can be you if can I can't go to there well I'll, I'll go to the other one and that you could e- you could just as easily be in either yep it's I read that the same way. oh my god I loved I loved like every time it's like a it's like a three-stage rocket of a joke you're yep. like oh my god look at all the different people that he thinks of his geniuses that dilettantism that like broad look at that broad acceptance of and then it's like oh and that is actually kind of tragic because because they actually can't speak to each other right geniuses are now like these lonesome like weird lonesome isolated creatures and then it's like and even if you try you might end up an imbecile instead it's so (laughs) fucked up it's like so bittersweet and that delivery is in like 14 milliseconds yeah i was fast he's delivering it i was gonna say like 14 seconds is actually probably Probably pretty close close. he's just ripping through dialogue he's so fast so fast um the subtitles actually have a hard time keeping up sometimes like it's constantly a new and something on there and also occasionally it will drop lines and just tell you like speaking italian speaking italian because either because it's indistinct or because I would, you know what I'm guessing? Because oftentimes they do the subtitles based on a typed out transcript. Oh, of the film. right. So if I would guess the bits where it says speaking Italian, he went off book oh. and he, they didn't have a line for him because they're like, oh shit, well, this next bit is that. What's this thing in the middle? And they just go speaking Italian because he jumped off. Um, in the end of his like big rip roaring thing, when he's talking about fucking his brother's wife. We get we get the terms heaven on earth, paradise. All my sins were sins of love, and I think the and then the priest dies in the back of this dude's cab. And I start to you start to I don't know if everybody does, but the way I watched the film, I you start to wonder 
maybe this is also colored by I do a podcast with my wife called Chapman and Robin mm-hmm. and we're basically we're covering a book called Lost Girls which is uh, a modern treatment of Victorian erotica mm-hmm. so we've been talking a lot about like taboo and like all like fringe sexuality sure. I'm it's you start to wonder if perhaps it's all been worth it for this guy because he's talking in the language of rapture about fucking a pumpkin and we're all sitting here and we're like ew fucking a pumpkin but for that guy he's talking about all of these weird things that he did have culminated in this moment of heaven on earth and this this he refers to it as paradise and meanwhile this priest in the back seat has lived his whole life and probably we get the sense but from his like don't (laughs) don't when he coughs like don't smoke and like he's bothered by the transvestites and he hasn't really lived much Right, so the the maybe what we're seeing here is the transience of life. Do you think he wish he would have fucked a pumpkin at some point? I don't think he did, but and maybe I, you know, like I don't necessarily want to fuck a pumpkin no, either. But that's not the point. No, the 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 point is like having lived, having done something. Is that I don't know, is that, that perhaps yeah. guilt is a waste of time? Yeah. Is and it's not like go around and slaughter people for well, your own amusement, no, but no, like. No, no. But like, if there's something you want to do and it's a, it's innocuous. Well, when they do pull over and they and they speak to the to the transvestite, the, yeah, they they're like, ah, it's always great when he comes by. Like, I don't know if that word is okay anymore. One second. Bird is transvestite politically correct? They are transvestites. Are with okay. Yeah, I think that's correct. All right, fair enough. All right. Uh, you never know these yeah, days. Know. It just changes. But the uh, but like they. They obviously know him, yeah, the cab driver, and mm-hmm. they have a great exchange, and they're they're each of them are kind of having a crappy night, but they their their mood is improved by having had that little bit of an exchange. So, not letting that the priest is like, oh dear, well he's dying, and he's <laughs> At also that point, dying. He's like, <laughs> but it's like there's something to say about acceptance too, and being able to like improve your yeah your night by engaging with another human being right and in a weird moment in a weird way oh my god you're right there's even a line about it yeah they don't it's not even a sexual exchange no it is not not at all not in the slightest but when he drives away the one of the transvestites says oh i love talking to him he always he He always always cheers it's either cheers me up or like make brightens my night or something like that and you get the sense that just that little bit of uh that like that bit of a moment put a little bit of a a, a, an upturn on the and him too they helped each other out yep and you get the sense that 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 those two i i don't know if they're true would be considered transsexual this is weird but um that those two prostitutes that we see Mm -hmm. are like horrifying and beyond the pale for that priest they are a thing to be saved rather than humans distinct people distinct members of humankind so you know i we talked about this uh on the other the other podcast when we ran into a couple of issues that dealt with like we there was one that dealt with like foot fetishes there was one that dealt with a girl who liked to be scalded and then we ran into an issue that have prominently features incest and we really struggled with that oh yeah that'd be rough that was a really oh transvestite noun a person especially a male who assumes the dress and manner usually associated with the opposite sex so that is correct they are transvestites thank you um so 
in a weird not the the incest one i can't even become close to resolving but as far as the other stuff we were running into like the foot fetish stuff and there was one where they're like uh like drugs and there's lots of lesbian sex Mm -hmm. and the we keep coming back to like life is life is short and if everyone is on the same page and okay with it and you're cool with it it's something that you want to do go for it fucking do it yeah so in a weird way when he's like i fucked a pumpkin i'm like not my thing but good on you buddy no one got hurt right and then i mean maybe your brother well, the, the lamb though didn't have any say yeah the lamb that's not okay that's not we're okay. gonna say i'm gonna say no that's a lamb. bad one that's a don't do that and you know it's not nice to fuck your brother's <laughs> wife but if she was consenting like whatever yeah that's a more of a gray area. It's a gray. <laughs> I think like it's. I mean, I don't agree with it. It's a dick move for sure. For sure, but someone could potentially get hurt though. Yeah, but you know, the weird thing is like it. It comes back to those those couple of lines that paradise, that heaven on earth, mm-hmm. sins of love. Is there a distinction between a sin of hate and a sin of love? Yeah, like murder, destruction, yeah. like. There are there are definitely like no one is gonna defend like going out and cutting up somebody that you don't like. No. But like oh, I just I I was so passionate, I loved her so much. I I I love my wife too, but I had to and it was one night and it was heaven. She was radiant. There's it's weird that such a slapstick funny bit funny of comedy bit. should have that in. should have something yeah. so heavy buried in it. It's like the L.A. segment when Corky and Vanessa or Victoria are talking to each other and they're like, oh, I want to be a mechanic. But really, it's like you're old and you missed your chance. Right. Every line is two lines. And I think this is no exception. And this one is particular. I, this was my least favorite until I started talking about it. And now I'm not sure. Right. Because on the surface, this is rapid fire slapstick comedy, but it's addressing issues of faith and guilt and sin and culpability and the transience of life and I don't think you could have addressed insane. these heavy things without without the laugh that laugh without a without a clown delivering it oh our second clown yeah our second clown cab mm-hmm. driver hmm. hmm yep um yeah and it's not that Jim Jarmusch can't deal with heavy material. No, no, Speaking not at all. Speaking of heavy material, do you want to move on to... Shall we? Oh, just one funny little uh, side note. Yep. I don't even know if it has anything to do with anything except we mentioned Weekend at Bernie's. So I used to live in Baltimore. And one of my roommates, one of his favorite movies is Weekend at Bernie's. Okay. But the only... He doesn't speak French. No, none of our friends do. Okay. But one day he accidentally got his DVD copy of Weekend at Bernie's stuck in the French and couldn't get it off, but he just kept watching the whole movie. Uh-huh. So now there's a yearly party at his house where you go and you watch Weekend of Bernie's in, in French? French, and it's fucking hilarious. It's Bernie! 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 It's like the weirdest fucking thing. Vous Bernie! Oh my God, are we... <laughs> Should we bring this tradition west? I think we should. I mean, Chaz Phillips would be so proud. Wow. Weekend at Bernie's in French. In French. Bernet. Bernet. <laughs> oh, my God. That sounds delightful. It is. It's quite fun. And you have to drink every time. Like, they say yeah. Bernet. Bernet. So you make it five minutes into the it's movie. It's five minutes. You're fucking hammered. <laughs> 
And then he watched Star Trek The Next Generation. Do you know so. who else is hammered? The three guys that our cab driver picks up in the next they section. They are the drunkest trio I think I've ever seen on film. That, again, you know what? Oh my God. They, there are two physical connecting points at the beginning Okay, the next um, segment is Helsinki. Helsinki. It's this weird purplish lavender blue. Helsinki is the capital of Finland, for those of you who don't know. Um, I'm going to hit these names. Are you ready? Do it up. Um, I'm so ashamed because several of my relatives speak Finnish. Oh, shit. I'm like 99% Finn. So this is going to be, they're going to hear this and be like, oh, Max. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! What happened to you? All right, so our our driver is Mika. This is uh, Muti Pelampa. Then we have three passengers. We have uh, uh, Kari Vananen, uh, Sakari Kosmanen, and Tomi Salmala. That's not. I mean, it sounded perfect to me. Not horrible. I'm sure they're like, it's not. (laughs) Salmala is probably the best I got. Um, And I know that this word is actually pronounced Muti because my dad's name is Matt. Oh. But in Finnish, his name is pronounced Muti. Muti? Yeah, they call him Muti Gentila. Oh. Anyway. Um, I just went, oh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you knew what Gentila like meant? Yeah, Mati Kuma Sauna. He's the, sa- it- that's the sauna king. Oh. Sauna king. I, I, I keep going, oh, like oh everything God. is so adorable. You said a Finnish right word. Now. No, oh. but, but yeah. But Aki? though is the the drunk one right the one's completely passed out yes also named after a famous uh finnish film director um i wrote down some of his movies elsewhere because i want to go and watch them it's so weird when you run into anything in like essays on jarmusch's movies or film criticism or whatever if anyone mentions a film in relation to jim jarmusch i'm like i guess i gotta watch that right uh there's one uh moi noir or something like that it's a like French film. Yeah, I'll, I'll just give you the yeah, list. I compiled a list of authors <laughs> and shit. <laughs> I, I count on you for all my list making. Oh my God. Yeah, we're going to. You best believe there's some art house in your future. I love it. <laughs> um, Aching for it. So we get two bits of. of echo, we get two echoes from Rome to Helsinki. The first is when he drives in a circle, circle. around that yep. that monument. We just saw another driver do that. So it's I'm t- these are not distinct from each other. They're connected. Yep. And then in the last moment of such in the film, we get a hilarious moment of physical comedy, which we've just watched a whole segment of over-the-top physical comedy yep. and then when he goes to pick up his fares and they're all sleeping on each other standing, standing up, up sleeping on and each when other. he honks the horn the two separate and the middle and one the middle hits one the falls, ground yeah. <laughs> and that's pretty much the last funny moment in this fucking whole yeah, thing but no i i disagree am i missing something what well was it's it's be, the reaction i find there's humor in these big burly drunk yeah there's something that are, fun. that are that are crying because you you find out that the, of these three drunk guys that, that get picked up, one of them lost his job that day. He got a severance package. His wife tried to stab him with a knife, got kicked out of the house. He's having the worst day of his you life. You realize what this is, by the way? Hmm. This this piece of writing that Jarmish does? It's a shaggy dog story. Oh, my, you're my yeah. It's He literally writes a shaggy dog story and then has the the cab driver be like, is that all? Is and that then all? tear your a better, fucking heart out. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't think I've ever seen it done better. It's amazing. It's amazing because you get the the sad story, the shaggy dog story. Which is like, like, oh, that's kind of sad and fucked up. He lost his job. Is that it? And he's like, no, he bought a new car and then he lost his job and they kicked him out and they threw his severance pay and then his car was trashed. So he caught a bus home. When he got home, his wife was like, your daughter's pregnant. His daughter ran away and he told her that he lost his job. So his wife asked for a divorce and then chased him out of the house with either a butter or a a bread knife or Or a butcher's knife. knife. We can't be sure which. So you're like, fuck. That's like the worst thing. And the cab driver's like, is that, is that all? all that happened? And they're like, what's your big could horrible story? And they're like, how could it have been worse? And then, t- tells and then you the find most honest God. and heart-wrenching and it's, slowly pace. It's like, I can't even. And, I it's the, wanna, it's, oh. and it's the contrast between the two stories. The, uh, the delivery of them. The delivery, the, yeah. And the acting styles. Because you have three drunk, big drunk Finnish dudes in yeah. his car. And the one up front is kind of like he's got long hair and he looks rough. He looks like like twenty of my family members, but he uh, he's like, "How could it get worse, you fucking cab driver man?" Well, let me tell you. First, he lost his job, and then he gets thrown out, and his car is now a big pile of shit. It's like someone is telling you a story and they're yep. hitting the beats, and then there's a lull, and now we're gonna get to a crescendo. Yep. It was a butter knife or a bread knife, and when the cab driver starts talking, he's like. It is the most naturalistic acting you've ever seen in your mm-hmm. life. It's so utterly believable, so human, so fully rounded. Even the way he lights and smokes his cigarette is despondent. Yeah, it's it's the it is the if you were utterly hopeless, it's how you'd light your cigarettes. Yeah, it's amazing because he's like, well, my wife and I have uh, been married and trying to have a family for a while. She works one job, I work two, and then they bust his balls. They're like, "Oh, two jobs, what a heartache!" Or no, I, when he says, "I'm married," they're like, right. "Oh my god, that is terrible!" Ha ha ha! Right. And he keep, but he keeps going. He keeps telling his and story. And his story is literally just like, my wife got pregnant, and uh, she said at six months that she started to feel a little strange. So I brought her right to the hospital. He's not doing like. And then no, he's, like, to, he's just telling she, it very earnestly, just like he's not. He he eventually like starts to break down, but he's not like hitting. You could have done the performance. Could have been at six months. She began to feel a little strange. Right. You could have done that, but it's. Uh, so I brought her right to the hospital, and the the doctor came out, and he said my wife was fine, and I was overjoyed, and the, but the baby was in an incubator, and uh, mm-hmm. it was it's it's matter of fact, and the way that it's he deli- the way the story is stretched out and delivered, the guy's not crying, he's not breaking, so you're like you wonder, he, you don't know whether the baby is alive or you dead don't know until, until, the he very end, until he says it's it. dead, yeah. And he said the, the and he's like and I had to, I didn't know if my baby was going to live or not so I decided I couldn't deal with the pain of it so I decided I couldn't love this this baby so I had to so kill I had my to love. kill my love and he talked for, for the baby not kill it but like his the love that he had for it kill, had to, yeah his love for his love for the child he had like, to kill that love in yeah. himself not allow himself to hope and right. kill his love because the doctor gave the baby a week. Yeah. But then it was two weeks, but it didn't now matter. Things are getting better. Well, that's, it was two yeah. weeks was when he decided that he had to kill his love for the child because right. it wasn't going to live. And he's, so that line, oh my God, when he's like, I had to kill my love, the way he delivers it. And that's when he pulls out his cigarette and lights and it. And also, neither of us speak Finnish. No. I have, I've heard Finnish my whole life. So maybe, maybe I'm able to pick up inflections better. I kind of doubt it. I remember out at camp, there was a channel we used to watch. The channel 
uh, there was two programs on in the early morning that were entirely in Finnish for the Finnish population of the Upper Peninsula. So we'd be out at camp and Grandpa would it turn like, on. Here it is. Yeah, and it would. <laughs> they'd be like, it's like a baking show, and they'd teach you how to make birdhouses, and they'd go like out in the outdoors. Sounds amazing, actually. And it's all. <laughs> it was just in Finnish, so that the Finns who didn't speak English would have that taste They're of home. Morning. It's yeah. really cool. But anyway, like his. We cannot possibly do justice to his performance. Where, Not at all. Where he talks about week, the baby now has been living three weeks. And my wife came in to me and said that I had made a mistake. And I realized this baby will need all my love. All of my love. So now you're like, oh, the baby's, is the baby going to live? Gonna be okay. And then he's like, and so I turned, I love that. Loved I love the baby. And he talks, anything. it's in a weird way. It's an echo of Helmut because we see him. We hear secondhand the moment when he let hope back in. Yes. He crushed himself down to despondency where he was like, I was like, I was dead inside. I had given up completely on this child and I did not love it. And then his wife was like, you have to love this child or it's going to die. And he goes, and I loved it. And I felt such relief. I felt such joy. And this is where he starts to crack just a touch. Mm -hmm. And then they go into the hospital. He says, we went into the hospital and the doctor was waiting for us. And he took us aside and he told us that that morning the baby had died. And you're he, the way he delivers it, you're just like, <sighs> and like just soul crushing. What really gets you though? Because the, you got to remember, these are not five minute sections. These are like half hour. Uh, yeah. Um, these are long. And then they, we have been on him the whole time. And you cut to the, you cut to the guys, these boisterous drunks and the one of the one in the front seat is crying. Yeah. And you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. Because they, they're telling their friends misfortunes and they're being all funny and slapped. Just yeah. like they're cracking jokes. And then once that guy starts telling his story in earnest, we cut to him and stay on him. It is beautiful. I've, we've talked about it before. I'll keep talking about it forever. I love it when a director puts a camera on somebody and lets it, it lets go. Him go. I'll, yes. One of the He's best an, things. That he is do. an actor's director. 100% because he knows. I'm getting chills talking about yeah. this scene. But he knows when his actors, he trusts them. Mm -hmm. And he knows, like he could cut and he could show us Helsinki. He could show us like sure. the bright lights of Helsinki as the baby's recovering. And he could show us like a dark stock, but he doesn't. He stays right on him. He stays right. Time. Yeah. He, we just watch this. And the best part is, is this driver pantom. He's on a trailer for right. sure. The car is on a trailer being dragged because of, I think it's like insurance reasons. You can't have your actors actually driving and delivering dialogue because mm -hmm. it's irresponsible because they're not focusing on their driving. But he's pantomiming driving perfectly. He's he's like making turns and he's like... His it, eyes, how they he, track his turn. Yep, he tracks his turn. He's looking at signs. He's checking his mirrors. Yep. He When he lights a cigarette, he does that thing where you look down, but you're still watching the road. And then yep. you look up, it's, it's in his performance is amazing. And Jarmish knows it and stays and just on locks him. on him, just locks on him. And he's like, okay guys, watch this. Yeah. It's fucking, that's the mark of a director. They're not trying. They are not when a director is showing off, they're cutting all over when a director is letting the scene it, play and the actor do their job. doing yeah <laughs> making decisions in service of the of the film rather than in like oh and check out that slick whip pan i just did right. and, you know or whatever like it, yeah so he puts on this guy and you know what by letting us stay still for so long when we get a cut the cut itself 
surprises you. Well, then I also realized I hadn't taken a good full breath in about three minutes. Fuck yeah, dude. You're just sitting there on your couch and yep. you're, it's, <sighs> the weirdest thing happens in this one in particular, this one in New York. You smile, you laugh, and the Shaggy Dog story in the here, the, yeah. the how his buddies, his his buddy's his, bad day yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Like it's funny. You find yourself like smiling kind of and how and like yeah and how like hapless uh, Maki is, uh, where he's just like you know he's like falling asleep at the wheel when we first see him. He's driving around in circles and he plays perfect straight man to their drunken buffoon. Oh, absolutely. Where he's just like he's like, where do you want me to take you? Take us home. Where, where is, is home? home you know and then they're they're all they have that big argument where they're like you're gonna drop me off first no we, we all live in the same neighborhood well, no, he's like it. we have to drop him off first because he's but he's our friend he's drunk but he lives the farthest away oh no he's our friend we're gonna drop him off first then you right. then me and he's like where am i going we all live on the same block so it doesn't fucking it doesn't matter fucking at matter, all yeah so like there's moments of like humor and funniness but then as soon as soon as the script Let's Maki off the chain to tell his story. You get such a shift where just like in the New York one, you find yourself like grinning at the screen and you're like, ah, geez, this is fun. Yeah. And then you can, you can point to the exact moment where your smile just disappears off your face. Completely gone. It's amazing. And And it's stop breathing. And you know, what's weird is it's still technically not plot. No. The plot is the driver picks three drunk guys up and brings them home. Yeah. That's the plot of every single one so of these plot sections. Doesn't really matter. Not at all. <laughs> I love, and you, you, oh my God, I love it. You say that to the wrong person and they're like, oh, you're oh, fu- uh, What are you talking Some of the fine, the, some of the best American novels are finely plotted masterpieces. And Jim Jarmusch is showing you that there's another way. And Kevin Smith. Yep. And the Miramax 90s kids. Yep. They're showing you that, okay, and it's in a weird way, I equate them with the beats. I don't like any of the beats. I don't like Jack Kerouac's books. I I like William Burroughs, his story and the right. idea of him, but I actually don't like his writing. His mm-hmm. poetry is okay, but like as far as the beats go, I think that they are masturbatory and excessive and they, they violate the rules for the sake of violating the rules right. rather than servicing their own art. But I think the Miramax, I call them the Miramax kids, but you know those filmmakers those late like those 80s and yeah late 80s early 90s 90s. miramax filmmakers those people of that oeuvre that 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 particular zeitgeist reacted against film that came before but not for the sake of reacting against something they wanted to make movies they they wanted to tell their stories their way and it wasn't like well you tell me that i can't do a 20 minute tracking shot well then fuck you i'm gonna do it it wasn't it wasn't just to break the rules. It was because the rules didn't allow them to tell their story tell their way. the way they wanted to. Yeah. And that's why these film, that's why I res this, this, these, those artists resonate with me Yeah. in a way that the beats don't. I like the idea of the beats, but sure. I don't like their art. I love the idea and the, the follow through yeah. with the, especially it's an amazing Jarmusch. thing that happens when you talk at length about movies like night on earth, like, a couple hours ago when we sat down and started talking about this. Yeah, movie. this is by far our longest episode. Well, that's, I don't give a shit. I'm going to release both both <laughs> halves of this on the same day. Yeah. Just so everyone, just so you know, we are, are about five minutes away from three hours. Holy shit. But it's fucking, there's no way to make this short. It could be five. I don't care. Like, because something has happened in this two, um, three hours now of us talking yeah. about this. One of the first things I said sitting down. And that's why I think film is such an interesting thing because... Watching it is one part of it. 
thinking about it afterwards is, is another part of it. And having a conversation with somebody about it is another part. This, it doesn't stop. It's like a, it's a, a thing that's like alive. Like it's, it's, it's a thing that's constantly in your brain. Once you've seen it, it's in your brain. Right. It's not part of who you are as a person, and which is really interesting. But like having a three hour conversation and unpacking these movies like we do, like I've, I was questioning whether or not I liked this movie because I thought I was supposed to, or did I actually really like this movie because of how it affected me and, and the quality of the acting and the writing. Yeah. I had some like minor issues with like Winona Ryder and her performance, but we sort of touched on that too. It was like, well, that's kind of that nineties thing. It was that, that's that character type. Right. And how those it's servicing the, the, the dialogue in a way it's serving it to you in that fashion. Mm-hmm. This movie is fucking, shit this movie is fucking shit <laughs> this movie is fucking shit it's it's uh it's brilliant it is it's i i'm so glad that i found jim jarmish like it's yeah it could be like it's not going to be for everybody right yeah this is there's you a know? certain there's a certain set of people for whom this movie well, how and you talk for three hours about a movie that's not three hours that's long not three hours long no this movie's two hours you talk for an hour longer than the an movie hour is. longer yeah yeah definitely like, like I like that you broke it down into three categories where you watch a movie, you think about a movie, and then you, then the third component, almost nobody does this. Almost nobody talks the, about yeah. And the to be honest, what we're doing is fairly unnatural. We have microphones in front of us, we're recording it and sharing it. So, but sitting down with somebody and having a deep discussion about a piece of art. Like we could do this for Batman Begins and we would sure. appreciate Batman Begins more mm-hmm. or we would maybe like, for example, I appreciate prisoners slightly less because you showed me some of the flaws, but it changed the way I thought about it right. and it changes the way that you think about art, like especially with this film and this director, which is why I'm glad I picked picked him and, and his movies. Is we haven't just we've talked about Beethoven, we've talked about we've talked about visual arts, we've yep. talked about film as an audio medium. That those conversations, I'll, I like when I don't all, my notes. I have my notes in front of me, but when we do these these episodes, yeah. over half of the stuff that I unpack and throw out on the table, like there was, I can't remember what it is, but today, uh, oh, it was the there were there was several of them, but one of them was oh my god, is Streets of Laredo a nod to spaghetti westerns? I don't have those thoughts until I say them to you. Right. <laughs> As we're conversing... Those thoughts happen. Yeah, like parts of the movie unlock. Yeah. So if if you're just sitting on your couch and thinking, you're like, that's a great movie. But I guarantee you, you sit down and you have a long-form conversation where you explore the nuance of, of some particular art. Popcorn's going to pop in your brain. Yeah. yeah, you. it's so weird. There's a lot of stuff in these... in this conversation that I did not have in my head right. before we started. It's not just us regurgitating notes. We're learning what we think about this through these conversations. Conversation. And it's, uh, I, I honestly, I g- honestly genuinely feel like not just the, the heady ones. We've, the last two we've done have been real been heavy, real he- shit. but like, yeah. I just feel this whole season, even talking about drive angry, even mm-hmm. talking about the jacket, you know, I feel like, at the up to now, I am a different. I have a different appreciation for film and not just film, but all art all across art. all mediums. I'm and starting genres. to dig into other things. Like I'm going to the record store. I'm hating and buying Tom Waits records. And you know, <laughs> no, like seriously, like, yeah, like, yeah, fuck, absolutely. Like, shit. 
it's expanding my horizons on, on, on so many different levels. And as an actor, too, actually, I'm looking at, at my own performances or my choices that I make or like even some of my quote unquote fucking process right? right like well you when you see so such a such a wide such a variegated mm-hmm. group of yeah. performances the, you can't help but look at oh the, everyone everyone is doing it differently you grab what you like and you and, kind of feel like comfortable with like oh i can do it my way or like not my way but like there is no wrong way of doing it right I mean, Sorry. what do we what do we get from Nicolas Cage is that sometimes <laughs> it's good to make bold choice. It's better to make, make a bold, bold choice, choice and be reined in than to deliver a flat performance and have to be beefed up. Yeah. I mean, I th- that you, there's so much to grab from performances yeah. in here because everyone seems to be doing it differently. It's amazing. Yeah. It's an amazing kaleidoscope of performances. Um, the I only have one more yeah. thing for Night on Earth. It's my last note, which is the gorgeous final shot of Aki sitting on the ground sitting in the ground fumbling with his 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 uh his money packet his, his envelope se- severance pay severance pay he is in the best drunk i've ever seen or not even drunk like getting sort coming, of like coming out, coming of, a out of a blackout yeah, yeah he does every there's no nicole kidman no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah this is the best this is one of the best drunk performances i've ever seen he but what I noted was cinematography, mm-hmm. which is he's under near a streetlight. So the there's like an uh, an orb or an area around him mm-hmm. which is slightly warmish and cold. It's not warm, but it's like there's a touch of like yellow, of yellow or orange or yeah. And the sun is just coming up because we we started with sunset in Los, in Angeles, Los Angeles and we get sunrise sunrise. in Helsinki. And God, what a great line, by the way. Do you, uh, are you going to be all right? Do you know where you are? And he goes, yes, Helsinki. Not home. He doesn't know where. He's he doesn't, in Helsinki. He's not in home. He's in Helsinki. Yeah. Just, fuck, that line just hit me so hard. But anyway, like, he's in a warm bit of color on the screen, and all around him is, like, utter freezing cold. Just. So yeah. I looked at that, and he's sitting there on the ground, and I wrote down, the ending is not up or down or hopeful or bleak. It simply is. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a great way to th- look at this movie. Oh, and the, even like the, the two neighbors of his come out of their house to go to work and like, hey, Aki. And he's like, hey. Hey. I don't, because I was trying to figure out, I'm like, I'm like, is this a is this a downer ending? I don't think so. I don't think so. Is it a hopeful, like upbeat ending? No. Nope. It's, it's just, just an ending. Yeah. Jim Jarmusch is, again, just, sh- he's just showing you something that the is. guy's got dropped off. Right. Like, you know, this guy, does he get back to, I don't know, he's sitting there, he has a severance packet in his money and fucking helmet is still lost in, <laughs> in, in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Like, is it as easy or fun as being like, Wakanda forever, man? What a, <laughs> oh man, it's so, because, yeah, they think they're goat herders, but they're not. They're really right. technological. Oh, it's an up, it's a, that's an up ending. Yeah. The and end, you love that ending. Yeah. And you go out of the theater and you're like, holy shit. Right. The ending of The Machinist, that's brutal. Yes. This, this is just, it just like, is. It's seen. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. What a perfect way to end the Jarmish discussion is just fiend. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally <laughs> it. That's how this movie ends. I've got nothing else on this at nope. all, but God damn. Yeah. Two great fucking movies. I know. And what two completely Ooh. different, I mean, I, complete visual auteur 
and like the the actors writers director like same director of photography same dop holy shit looks like you got a note card there max <laughs> way to go monsieur frederick ellis um yes uh we oh god <laughs> i it's hard to it's hard to shift gears sometimes yeah. especially when you go that deep and you do you yeah. do you feel like after the end of the eraser head episode i felt weird i had those was a rough couple I had, of days I, I did not sleep i slept no. like 10 minutes at a danielle clip. was like honey are you okay like i was no. having nightmares and not breathing like, absolutely not okay my apnea came back for the first time in like two fucking years <laughs> oh, breathe me i'm like i'm sorry no i was fucked up yeah and you oh god it's just yeah. you that movie rewires your head mm-hmm. this movie rewires your this, heart yeah oh. <laughs> oh yeah no you're absolutely right though rewire my fucking soul is what it did yeah okay so we're gonna shift gears here we go so we are a listener-supported podcast. It feels so fakey it's and does, cheap. doesn't it? I don't God. even want to do it. Neither do I. Let's shout the patrons out. I'm not even going to point anyone to anything. Just take this for what it was. Yep. Like the, like the movie that we gave you. We are going to thank our patrons because they help make it possible yep. for us to l- do fucking... To have breakthroughs have like breakthroughs, this. Yeah. So, um, let me thank John Shibe and Casey Shibe over in New York City where Jim Jarmusch got his start so you guys are in the heartland and we also as always need to thank the one the only Connor Sweeney oh my god Connor Sweeney I know I actually ran into him the other day did you yeah volunteer party for the Old Town Playhouse he was there what was he doing there uh he's a volunteer was he I was he volunteering as as a uh, he's a, I know he has a long uh, checkered history as a security guard. He does. Well, he was actually former checking, secret service checking IDs at the door. Okay. Um but not very well. Did you present him with your fake? I did. Two fakes at the same time. And he didn't pick them out. Didn't either one. That's weird cuz one was Susan Sarandon. The, and Which he I do not look like Susan, at all like clearly not old. even at in the, your hair similar yeah. but and the actual like the sean connery james bond id oh his mi6 his ID. mi6 id and he let you in and was like he was more impressed by that one he's like i really appreciate your work sir and all that you do and you were like, awesome, you well, shouldn't be at the door. I went into, oh, well, at least you tried an impression. I, I I had a Poets Night Out event, and Connor was working the door there. I gave him, yeah, well, I went in, and he was like, are you one of the poets? And I said, yes, I am. And he said, I'll need to see your ID. And I handed him my fake ID, in which I'm a 96-year-old black woman. And he was like... Did it get past him as well? Yeah, and he was like, I was like, I guess you're good to go, and I was like, thank you very much. I guess you're horrible at your fucking job, Connor Sweeney. That is what it appears to be, and you know what? It's a good thing that he got kicked out of the Secret Service, and I wish they'd released the papers on why that happened. And they won't. They, of course, they won't. I mean, won't. they're locked up tighter than like all other I'm, papers that are important. Look, we're all thinking it. I'm gonna say it. Do it. If it wasn't for Connor Sweeney. John F. Kennedy would be alive oh today. Oh my god! Anyway, <laughs> that's holy shit. That's all I've got. So, um, let's uh, yeah. So I. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Carl Hartley, Max Peterson. There's only one way to end this podcast, and that is with a fiend.